0: Welcome back to another episode of Square State Sandlot. I'm Kyle Gilmore and I have Bill Montoya here with me as always. Um, We have a lot to cover across I guess all the major sports for the most part Um, but before we get too far into that I do want to bring up again that we are having our first inaugural um, fantasy league for the for the podcast so We are still looking for a few members, a couple spots to fill. So anybody listening, anybody reading any of our posts, um, feel feel free to contact Bill or I, and we can get you inserted into the league so we can get started. Yeah,
1: those spots are filling up pretty quick. So uh, we've already expanded the amount of teams once. Uh, We're trying to get to 12. So I think right now we're at 10. So I think we've got two spots available. So yeah, just let, let any of or either of us know, um and, and we'll get you added. We're we're using ESPN if that matters to anyone. And then it's a half PPR league. So um and then Yeah, I'm super excited. I guess a couple of things that we have on the horizon here is since preseason's already almost over, it feels like it just started, but the last games are, are coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll be doing our predictions again for the full season once the rosters are trimmed down to 53. So after this upcoming weekend, we'll we'll start putting together our, our wins and losses and, and who we think are going to win the divisions and all that. And then we are also looking for a couple of our friends, family uh, that are interested in teams um, to take over a division, so to speak. So, for example, I, I love the Raiders. They're in the AFC West, so... I'm going to be covering the the AFC West. We may bring in, you know, uh, Trent or Tyler, since they're both Broncos fans. They can, you know, give their opinions on that as well. But since Kyle's the uh, Steelers fan, he'll do the AFC North. Uh, and, yeah, we've got openings for basically every other division. So if any of you are interested and want to kind of own that and, and give us your opinion on how how that division's breaking down, whichever one that may be, if you're interested in that, just let us know. And then one more bookkeeping item, Uh, just an update on John. He took another position at a different place and he's actually working the night shifts now. So where we were typically recording on Sundays as well, uh, the time that we normally would do it no longer works for him because he's working during that time. And when, when it would work for him, we're all still asleep. So um, right now it's just been difficult to get him on. So we're hoping he, you know, when he has some days off or whatever, we can we can sneak him on and, and be at least a regular guest if he's not able to, you know, do the whole co-host thing. So, uh, just just a quick update on him, and, and now we'll get into the the meat and potatoes here. So,
0: Kyle, why don't you go ahead with the NFL? Um, all right. So, without I can't talk about the NFL without bringing this up once again. Um. I'm sure some of you might have seen my reel about it while I was on vacation. I could not wait to comment on it. Um, Obviously, Bill and I have not been, I guess, quiet on our opinions on a lot of how this is being handled. Um, But for those of you who maybe, you know, are living under a rock and haven't heard about this, um, Deshaun Watson, his camp, like we talked, wanted a six-game suspension. The NFL was Started out talking about a year and long story short, they settled for 11 games and a $5 million um, million fine, which is absolutely ridiculous. The fine itself is a joke all in its own. He won't even be affected by that. Um, I mean, that it it means nothing to him. And the 11-game suspension, I mean, this is the stuff... I mean, I go back to the Josh Gordon-Weed suspension. I go back to the Calvin Ridley gambling suspension. Um, the NFL is just setting the wrong priorities as far as I'm concerned on their discipline program. Uh, Bill and I have talked about it many times. They've really dropped the ball in years past, uh, you know, be it the Ray Rice situation. Uh, I mean, there's been many of them throughout, um, especially more recently. Um I was really, really looking forward to the NFL putting their foot down and drawing a line in the sand. And I am, I have to admit, I am sorely disappointed.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's tough to be disappointed in in the judge because, like we talked about, there's no right. precedent set, they don't have any guidelines. So this is on the NFL 100%. Uh, but it's also on the, the NFL PA and sticking their neck out for someone that's clearly in the wrong clearly not doing yes. what he's supposed to be doing. So really, this is the whole system failing and, and allowing Deshaun Watson to essentially get a slap on the wrist. You, you talked about the $5 million uh, fine. That's the, the largest fine ever for uh, a player to have enacted upon him. Yeah. And so it sounds good on paper, but essentially Deshaun Watson got paid half of his salary for sitting out the entire year last year. And and that was a, a voluntary sit out. Uh, he didn't want to play for the Texans, so he just sat on the sideline. So I don't know any other job where you could just be like, "No, I don't want to do my job." And even if you got paid half of what you were supposed to make, and that's essentially what it's going to boil down to, because I think he got paid ten million last year for sitting on the bench, so he gave back five. Uh, and I think the NFL is kind of counting those games as game served, even though he missed on his own accord. That was not any suspension and no punishment, anything like that. So, and I understand the NFL PA not wanting to allow them to go after his signing bonus, because that sets the precedence. If, you know, the next owner's mad at a player, then they can go after that money because the precedent set that you can go after uh, signing bonuses now. So like, I get all the angles of of why this worked out the way that it did, but I still don't feel like justice was served, and I just, I think you you said it very well in your reel, and by the way, looked very wonderful where you were at, so props (laughs) to you on that reel.
0: Yes, very very warm.
1: I I don't think we need to, you know, beat it dead because we've talked about it. It seems like once a week, every week for the last six weeks, while we've been waiting for this to drop. The NFL needs to do better. NFLPA needs to do better in terms of watching out for the guys that are doing what they're supposed to be doing, not the guys that aren't, because the guys that aren't (sighs) are in the very vast or minority. Of, of players. Most guys are handling the business that they're supposed to be to protect their income, to protect their livelihood, and it's it's guys like this that make the league and, and the players association look bad just by sticking their neck out for them. So,
0: All I was going to say about the NFLPA, the thing that bugs me the most about it is they're almost operating under the same precedence as a defense lawyer, and I understand they're there to defend the player, but without actually looking at the facts, um, you know, unions should not always defend. They, they should they should also be able to analyze when and if to jump in. Um, and I think they stuck their neck too far out. Yes, you should be there to say, I want this process followed, which is fine. I mean, everyone has the right to that in their um, agreement, but I just wish the NFL, because I've always been in their corner throughout most situations and I was very disappointed with how how far they backed him but that, that's yep. the last thing I'll say about it alright yeah and I mean
1: just to add to that I do, well I guess I already kind of said it but I feel like the NFLPA should 100% be worried about the 95% 99% of guys that are doing what they're supposed to be doing not not right. these you know one-offs that are clearly making mistakes and And causing their own problems, not, it's not like, you know, something bad happened to him. He, he caused all of these situations. So yeah. Uh, Let's move on to your Steelers and and how are they looking in camp? Um, I guess training camps actually technically over as of today, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, really it's practices and kind of getting gearing up for normal season, but um, all in all, it's, Shaping up pretty decent outside of the offensive line. I, I still think we have a lot of issues there. Um, we did sign another another lineman today, and I can't for the life of me remember his name. But I, I foresee us picking up one or two more bodies before the season actually starts. Um, you know, whether that shakes up our starting five, I don't know. But hoping that the O-line, excuse me, hoping that the O-line starts to shore up a little bit. Um, they look pretty shaky with Mitch in front of them against the Jaguars uh, in the first half. Granted, the Jaguars front four, um, I mean, they do have a pretty decent front four. They were putting a lot of pressure on. Uh, with that being said, though, Kenny Pickett did come in against the same defense uh, late in the first half and drove us down for the first touchdown of the game, and then he followed it up with a, another one later on. But um, so far, I would say Kenny Pickett, is exactly who I thought he was. I think he's performing wonderfully. Um, for what it's worth, he set a record for quarterback rating um, by a rookie in a preseason game. He, he broke Dak Prescott's record um, by a couple points. Again, it's preseason for what that's worth. But at the end of the day, he's doing the right things. He's, he's making good reads. He looks comfortable, and that's probably the biggest thing I care about. Who um, did you guys play in favorite- that game? Jacksonville. Okay,
1: yep, that's right.
0: Um, my favorite thing, honestly, is that drive he came in for. Um, he he had, I mean, it started with penalties. He he kept getting pushed back, and then he actually threw a really nice touchdown to Deontay Johnson. Got called back, turned around, next play scored a touchdown. Those are the kind of things that I'm really looking for, you know. Especially with him, I I, I basically know what I'm getting with Mitch. And that's not to say that I'm not happy with Mitch. I think he will start week one. Um, But Kenny is progressing. And I think he's, I don't think the NFL is too big for him, which is honestly the biggest issue with rookie quarterbacks is the jump from college to the NFL is just huge for some guys. Anyways, wide receiver room's looking really good. Just super pumped about that group because they're just going to make it easier on Mitch and uh, Kenny, whoever's playing the games, depending on how the season goes. but with that being said, I actually seen, and again, it's such an early stat that it doesn't really matter, but um, George Pickens and Kenny Pickett are both at the top of the list for Rookie of the Year odds starting the season. So um, they're at least creating a buzz, so that's exciting. And we play the Lions this week, and I'm looking for us to just keep building. Um, a lot, A lot less of the starters will be playing, I'm pretty sure, But still, uh, you want to build and go into the season with some momentum. So, so far, so good. Well,
1: Well, and it's funny to me because a lot of these people that are picking Kenny Pickett as, you know, early rookie of the year candidate. A lot of them were the same ones saying they wouldn't pick him until, you know, the third, fourth, maybe even the sixth round. So it's crazy to me how. Quick, the the narrative shifts just based off of a, a couple preseason games, and like you said, I think Mitch is going to be the quarterback at least at the start of the season, and and maybe that he moves out of that if if Pickett, you know, presses him in practice, and um, Mitch has a couple shaky games, but I think Mitch, we, we've talked about this several times. I think Mitch is going to surprise some people in what he can actually do in games. Uh, outside of the city of Chicago. So hopefully for him, it, it will be a good thing and, and he'll get that situation or he'll get that opportunity and, and take it by the horns. But if not, he's got the kid from, from Pittsburgh sitting right behind him, ready to take that spot. So I think you guys are at least in a good situation and, and we've talked off airs, as long as your offensive line holds up, I think you guys are going to do pretty well and surprise some people. So um, and moving on to the Raiders, we're kind of in the same situation. Um, Alex Leatherwood, I mean, there's no way to to get around it. He's been awful in preseason. Um, there's some people even saying that the team's considering cutting him. Uh, I don't think they would, just because at worst, I think he's a decent backup at guard, uh, or he could even potentially be a starter at guard, but right now you can't throw him out there at right tackle and he's never played right tackle before last year. So it's definitely showing that maybe he's good on the left side of the line, but he is not good on the right side of the line. And, and some guys can make that transition where you switch side to side. Some guys just strictly cannot. And in that preseason game, I mean, the heat literally got pulled from the preseason game because he gave up back to back to back pressures and it was, they, one, one play, they literally ran right through him, pushed him right back into the quarterback. Next play, they went around him. Uh, the quarterback was able to get the throw off in time, but still got hit. And then the very next play, I, I believe he gave up a sack or at least a hit. So, uh, it was yeah, three plays in a row, and, and he didn't get to go back in until the, I think it was either the second or third string defense came out on the field in the in the late third. So, it's, it, we definitely have a situation there. Um, from what I've heard, Josh McDaniels has seen uh, Daryl Williams the last couple of years with the Bills, and he's not impressed with what he saw. So they're not looking to to make a move on on him at the time. I I think he would be an upgrade, even if they don't think he's the best. I guarantee he's an upgrade over Alex Leatherwood. So even if he's a stopgap, you know, one year tackle, that I think they got to make a move. Um, but right now I will say they're doing joint practices with, uh, the Patriots and early reports are that, um, uh, Derek Carr and, and Devonte Adams connection is just what it's always been. Um, they're, they're connecting on some great plays down the field, scoring a lot of touchdowns in these games. So I don't know. I mean, I'm excited about that. We still haven't seen it in preseason and we won't, um, these joint practices are essentially taking the place of the game that they were going to, well, they, they're they still going to play the game, just won't see any starters in it, but against the Patriots, so a uh, couple notes about that, Bill Belichick was in, and, and basically the Raiders gave them the keys to the castle, essentially, let them practice on in their own facility and everything uh, really have just kind of said, you guys use whatever you need to, if you need to use the weight room, use that, whatever. So, uh, Bill Belichick was very complimentary of the facilities, basically likening it to the Taj Mahal and, and said it's the best thing he's ever seen in terms of practice facility, field, all that stuff. So, uh, at least that's good to hear. Um, I don't know what's going on with Kyle's internet. So I'm just going to keep talking about the Raiders and hopefully he can pop back in here shortly and, and give his opinions on any of it. But uh, a couple notes, the just in the individual one-on-ones and then the seven on sevens, uh, like I mentioned, Devontae Adams is having a great joint practice with, with the Patriots under Renfro has been doing his thing as well. Um, And then in the, the past two practices, the offensive line has gone out in this order from left to right. So uh, Colton Miller at left tackle, Dylan Parham at left guard, uh, Andre James at, at center, uh, Cotton at right guard, and then Jermaine Illuminor at right tackle. So because that's been what they've gone with the last two times out uh, to start the joint practices, I have a pretty good feeling that that's going to be what they rolled out at the beginning of the season. And quite honestly, I feel like that's their best five, as as it stands right now. Um, that's not to say they won't make moves. Uh, there's there's still a uh, couple guys out there, Tevin Jenkins from the Bears, that's potentially on the trading block. Would be a, a big upgrade at right tackle in my opinion. And then Illuminor could could move over to guard somewhere, probably in in place of Cotton. Um, and then there's free agents like we've mentioned, Daryl Williams. Staff doesn't seem to be high on him, um, but there's also Isaiah Wynn that's in practice against the Raiders right now. And he's uh rumored to be available, although the Pats shot that down and said that they're not exploring trades right now. But I think it's quite possible that, you know, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, they have that connection. Maybe they can work out a trade real quick while they're actually practicing against each other. So, um, early reports from camp or from this, these joint practices as well as saying that the defense is doing very well against the Patriots. And that could be, you know, some of the fact that they don't really have an offensive coordinator right now. They're going with Joe judge who previously was on special teams and they're and Matt Patricia who reportedly is calling the plays. Um, obviously Belichick has his, um, his influence on what they're going to do on offense and defense, because he kind of has control of, of the whole team there. Um, but I, I'm not impressed with what, my, you know, Patricia has been a defensive coordinator primarily for his entire career. So seeing him calling plays, I, I can't imagine that's going to be a smooth transition. Um, it It seems very curious to me that they're even trying that, but, you know, with that being said, The defense is doing well against the Patriots, and and Mac Jones, I think he's a good quarterback, but I think he's going to struggle if if those are the two voices he has in his head. Um, And then just one other note, I wanted to mention that the Raiders did release Kenyon Drake. No one would was willing to pick him up with the contract that he had, even though he had floated him him around in trade rumors. Um, No one's wanted to take on that contract, so it was kind of inevitable writing was on the wall there. He, he kind of knew he was going to get released, especially when he played all those snaps in that third preseason game. So no surprise there. Uh, one surprise, well, I don't even know if it was a surprise, but this basically guarantees that the, the Raiders are only going to have two quarterbacks on their roster when, when camp breaks. And that is Jarrett Stidham and Derek Carr, obviously. Uh, but they traded Nick Mullins to the Vikings for a conditional seventh round pick. So The condition for that is if he's on the roster or plays, no, if he's active for at least one game, then the Raiders will get that seventh round pick. So I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to get back, hopefully with Kyle, and then we'll talk a little bit about baseball and what's going on with that. So we're going to go ahead and stop right here and then we will continue in just a moment. All right. So Kyle's having internet issues right now. So I'm just going to go ahead and finish real quick with the baseball stuff. Um, and and then we have best of worst of at the end here too. So, just uh, bear with me here. I'm going to go over some of the notes that Kyle has. Um, <laughs> not really an expert on his pirates, but I'll, I'll at least put or talk about what he put in here. Um, he basically said that the the pirates are still sliding. The youngsters, uh, led by O'Neill Cruz, are still a work in progress. So, O'Neill Cruz is one of those guys that. If if he can put it all together, he's going to be an absolute all star, uh, potentially superstar, such as you know your Aaron Judge's, uh, Fernando Tatis. I hate to use him as an example just because of what he's going through right now with the, the suspension and all that. But uh, O'Neill Cruz, he runs fast. He he throws harder than anyone else in the game right now. He actually just hit a ball today, one hundred and twenty two point four miles per hour off the bat. Um, That is the fastest in the stat cast era, which is basically just where they're tracking the the speed and launch angle and all that stuff from the, from the hits coming off the baseball uh, spin on the the fast or on the pitches and things like that. So fastest ball ever hit that's ever been tracked. So uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, And Kyle, we've talked about this many times since we've been on, Pitching has to be the focus for the Pirates if they're going to do anything with this young core. Uh, they have to go out and sign a, a, you know, a real difference maker. They've got to get that stopper that anytime they go on a losing streak and it's his turn in the rotation, he can turn things around. So they, they probably have to get two or three decent starters if, if they can get. I know they have Brew Baker. They've got a couple other young pitchers that are coming up. They got a couple of decent arms down in the bullpen, but they really need to to bring some guys up if they're going to contribute, and and probably make some signings. So I don't know if they're they're kind of in the same boat as my A's in terms of their owner and and what he's willing to spend. I know Kyle's very hopeful that this is going to be the year that that nutting fella decides to open up his his checkbook and say, hey, let's go for this. Uh, that's a very winnable division. So there's no reason for them not to. Uh, one note I did want to mention, just because I saw it today, my my guy Mattio Matt Olson hit one into the river in Pittsburgh Grand Slam after they were already up. I think it was either nine to nothing or eight to nothing. So Kyle was a little sore about that, but I did text him about it just because Matt Olson has one of the sweetest swings in in all of baseball, and he absolutely tanked that one into the river. So I'm sure Kyle will be mad at me for for putting that in here, but. It had to be said because the Braves are playing great baseball right now and they deserve to be mentioned. Uh, I think they're going to make a decent run at the division, maybe a little out of reach with how well the Mets are playing right now, but it is doable um, to at least, you know, maybe beat them in the playoffs, but you know, they're defending world series champs. So there's a decent chance that they could, they could put together a decent run and, and possibly repeat. So a uh, couple notes about baseball that, um aren't about our teams the schedule for 2023 was announced and for for the first time ever in league history they're going to do a balanced schedule where every team is going to play every team and they're not it's not going to be an equal amount of games against every team but essentially you're going to play your division opponents less throughout the season and then those series will be played against people in the in the national league so this is going to create some some intrigue for, for all of baseball because you're going to see teams that you don't typically see uh, in interleague play. And interleague play typically draws more more visitors just because you don't normally see those teams. So I think we could see an uptick in um, attendance for these games because that's typically what happens during interleague baseball games. Uh, so it's it's intriguing in that regard, but it's also, you know, it, it's creating opportunities to see my team play Kyle's team. And that's actually, we're, we're going to try to go to the game in Pittsburgh next June. Uh, the A's are, are visiting the Pirates at PNC Park. I think it's June 5th through the 7th. Uh, Kyle and I have been talking about for, you know, uh, over a year about the possibility of, of going to see a game in PNC Park because it's one of the best, if not the best venues for baseball in all of the major leagues. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that we can get to that game because that's a park I've wanted to get to no matter what. But then with my team playing there, it just makes all the sense in the world that we, we make that go. And it, it's right around my birthday too. So if we could get to it, it would be fantastic. And I think it would just be a great time. Uh, if we take the boys, uh, if, if not, then if it's just a boys trip where, where Kyle and I go and maybe, maybe, Uh, our dads, that would be pretty cool too. So all that's in the works. We're, we're hopeful that that's the series, but there's plenty of other intriguing series out there. Obviously you have, you know, A's and giants. They play almost every year anyway. Uh, But I'm sure there's, you know, you're going to have the subway series always with the, the two New York teams, but you could see some, some similarities in terms of how like play style where maybe we see some new rivalries get set up. And that's that's what is going to help grow the game. So I'm all for that. And I'm excited to see some of these matchups that, you know, we don't typically get to see, like A's and Padres uh, get to see our old friends, Sean Mania and Bob Bob Melvin. So that'll be a cool one. Uh, I don't know if we face the Mets. I can't remember if that's in there. But if we do, then we'll see a bunch of former A's players there too. So uh, it, it's going to be really – I guess – we'd have to match up against them because we play every team. So that makes sense. Um, And then A's more of the same Uh, as good as July was, August has been a little bit the opposite, quite not as bad as, um, you know, June was. It's been better. We've got all the young guys playing. Uh, Shane Langoliers has been everything that, that we thought he might be. He puts the ball in play. He plays great defense behind the plate, calls great games. Uh, He's mostly been in that designated hitter, but when Sean Murphy needs a day off, they've put him in behind the dish and he's already thrown out a couple players trying to steal on him. So great defense, great offensive player, uh, putting the ball in play constantly, doesn't strike out a lot, hits for power. Uh, He hit an absolute tank. Kent Murphy a two-run or three-run shot for his first home run. Uh, He's hitting doubles all the time. And really, even when he's not hitting getting hits he's hitting the ball hard at people so i think his average is going to just keep going up uh, as he continues to make hard hard contact and hopefully we'll start to see him sneak through the infield and or in the gap in the outfield and and get some extra race hits so uh, i think they had him hitting second today if i if i remember right against the marlins Uh, jesus luzardo pitched against us for for the first time he matched up against his former team the a's uh, he was very complimentary of the team. And, you know, ultimately he said he, he felt like they gave up on him too early, but he also said it gave, gave him the, the kick in the butt that he needed to get back on track and, and be the pitcher that he knew he could be because he was, he was coming up to the majors and, and pitching well for a little bit, but then he'd struggle. So we'd send it back down. He would pitch great in minors, send it back up. And then he'd struggle again with the A's. So, and then he constantly had the, the injuries and, and he had that, unfortunate situation where he punched a table while he was playing video games and broke his hand. So he had to miss games for that too. And I think that was the last straw for the organization and they finally moved on from him. So I, I think the Marlins are going to be the beneficiaries of that trade. Um, obviously we got Starling Marte, but that was a, you know, a one year or half a year rental. And now he's with the Mets. So, um, I wish we could have re-signed him, but seeing the contract the Mets gave him, there's no way the A's were ever going to match that. So it's frustrating as an A's fan, but we're looking towards, you know, 2025, 2026 at this point. Um, but, you know, we get to see at least a, a precursor to that and, and what we're hopefully building towards and, and getting a new ballpark in Howard Terminal or elsewhere. There's always the, the rumors from – Las Vegas that we're narrowed down to, you know, one or two situations and we've already made bids on them or whatever, but not a lot of news in terms of anything that's substantial in Las Vegas. So I think all steam is still heading towards Howard Terminal, but we shall see. And then just one note from NBA. We we've talked about this in the last couple episodes. Kevin Durant has requested a trade out of Brooklyn. Well, over the weekend they decided Steve Nash, the GM owner, and KD all sat down, and they said, "You know what? Let's make this work. We're going to try. If things, if we can't make this work after this upcoming season, we'll reassess and see see what can be done. But for right now, everyone wants KD on board. He's willing to live up to his contract, so to speak, because you know he is under contract for four more years. So." Ultimately, you know, he can request a trade all he wants, but he signed on the dotted line unless he's willing to sit out for half a season or whatever it would be for them to actually get a move done. It just didn't sound like anyone had the the cap space available and the assets that Brooklyn was looking for in return. So it it was always going to be hard to move him, but it, it just makes sense for him to stick it out one more year and actually give it a try. Hopefully, for his sake, Ben Simmons decides to play basketball again. Um, and if not, I mean, at some point they got to stop paying him because it, it, it just doesn't seem fair. If, if I should, didn't show up to work and said, you know, I have a mental health issue or whatever. I, I mean, maybe my job would stick their neck out for me for a couple of weeks, but I don't think I could just not work for a year and, and still get paid. And I know that's not a, an exact equivalence, but it's essentially what he's done. He sat out an entire year of basketball because he got his feelings hurt last season and, or I guess it was last, well, two post seasons ago. Um, And Nets were really hoping that he would come back and, you know, he essentially said, I can't play because of my back, but he was practicing just fine. So I, I don't know. That's, that situation's just very weird to me, but um, moving on, just got our last little section here. Best of worst of Uh, for me, and I'll read Kyle's too at the end here. But my best of the week is my youngest my youngest son's birthday is this weekend. So we're going to do a, a little trip and meet up with family and, and have just a fun little weekend for him to celebrate his birthday. Um, Kyle's is Mike Tomlin. He didn't really expand upon that. But I would guess that just how he's handled this situation there in, in Pittsburgh. And he's never had a losing season. I mean, that's that's something to be said. But at the end of the day, Steelers, that's not enough. So I think this season he's going to surprise some people in what he can put together. I think they're going to be in the playoff race contention for sure. And sure, that's not uh, that's not up to Pittsburgh standards. It's the, the city of champions is that beautiful banner that hangs behind Kyle says. Um, their standard is winning Super Bowls. They've got as many as anyone else. So it's, That's what they're building towards, and, you know, they're kind of expecting a down season, but with what they've done, the the moves they've made in the offseason, the defense they have, I think they're going to surprise some people, especially if Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett play above the level most people are seeing them playing at. So, uh, And then for worst of the week, this is kind of a fun one just because it seems to happen to the A's all the time. So the example actually happened today, and that is – a day game in baseball on the getaway day. So typically you play your three or four game series and that last game in the series, you'll, you'll play a day game. So whichever team has to travel, they, they can get out early to make it to the next destination. Um, so (laughs) when on those days you, you go into extra innings, so it's no longer leaving early. In fact, you're leaving behind. A lot of the times the the team staff has to reschedule flights and things like that. Or in, in the other scenario, which also happened today is both, both starting pitchers throw absolute jams, go, go through the game real quickly, but then you end up going into extra innings. And, and that's, that's what happened. Jesus Luzardo only gave up two runs. Uh, Cole Irvin gave up zero, but the bullpen came in. uh, Zach Jack, Yes. Zach Jackson came in and threw five strikes in a row and for some reason three of those got called balls and so drew a walk and in the very next pitch the guy hits a single out to left field and scores a run and then off of Danny Jimenez they hit a, in the ninth, at top of the ninth, they hit a home run so it went into extra innings. Hayes ended up walking it off 1-3-2 so that was good especially after losing the first two games in that series but no, the, the sentiment of, you know, we get to play day, day games so we can leave early and then it goes into extra innings and you get stuck behind uh, an hour or two. And for Kyle, it was the NFL, Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. And this for sure could have been, easily could have been uh, the worst of the week for me as well. But, um, and we've already talked about it. The NFL is at fault for not having guidelines. Deshaun Watson is obviously at fault for doing what he did. Cleveland Browns are at fault because it seems they did no due diligence in, in figuring out what was going on in this situation. Uh, they kind of just said, did you do this? He said no. And they gave him $250 million guaranteed in his contract. So uh, Cleveland Browns, I mean, at the end of the day, they are looking at it like they got a franchise quarterback that they couldn't have gotten otherwise. So I guess it's a win in their book, but it's a black eye on their organization for sure. And that that organization has plenty of black eyes already. So um, yeah, that's a, a great worst of the week for Kyle. So with that, I, I just want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we always love to have some some comments and feedback. We'd love to have you guys subscribe so you get alerted when, when these uh, episodes go out. Uh, you can do that on any of your podcast platforms of choice. We're on Facebook video. We're on, uh, we post these videos to Twitter quite often as well when we do the live events and then YouTube. So if you can do us a favor, subscribe, rate us five stars on your, your podcast platform of of choice. And as always, we thank you guys for tuning in and hope to talk to you soon. Thank you.